Hello and welcome to What, what the Zen, our space to delve deeper into what health really means. We explore the rituals and practices available in an ever-evolving industry and what these can do for us. Hello and welcome back to What the Zen. I'm Ivana. And I'm Rachel. And we're on episode four this week. And this week we're going to be talking to Saya Angelia, who is currently studying to be a therapist here in Vancouver. So we're touching on all things therapy and counseling this week. So anything you ever wanted to know, if you're considering therapy, what are the common misconceptions that Saya is going to debunk for us this week? And she's just going to go into more detail about her journey and what drew her into this field of work. Yeah, the chat was really good and informative, just a general overview of kind of mental health, kind of as it stands here even in BC within our Western culture, stigmas, uh, w- ways to access it. And it was also cool to kind of find out her journey in getting her master's in counseling and what that involves as well, as well as the different uh, types of counseling as well that she can kind of choose to study from, which, you know, I didn't really know about a lot of those. So yeah, I'm excited for you all to listen to her talk and hopefully learn a lot more about counseling and therapy. Yeah, it was such a good conversation and we both felt like we could have chatted all night, which seems to be a common theme for our recent episodes. But yeah, we hope that you find this episode really interesting and informative. And yeah, if you're thinking about therapy, if you're going through a tough time, I hope this sheds some light and gives you that little bit of extra info that you might need. And as always with our episodes, we are not giving out any medical advice here. So if you do need help from a healthcare provider, please reach out to your doctor or other healthcare practitioner for that. Yeah, of course. So let's jump in. There we go. Okay, awesome. Yes, so we have the wonderful Saye Angelia here with us. She is a student in her third year of doing her counseling master's, and she's going to kind of inform us all things mental health, and yeah, we have lots of questions for her. Yeah, you're very welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you both. I'm really excited to be here, and I really appreciate you um, inviting me here today, so um, thanks again. You're very welcome, and Yeah, so the goal of today's podcast is really just to have a chat about what is mental health, what is counseling, what help is out there, and to maybe break down some barriers and misconceptions about getting help for mental health. Yeah, so um, we're just going to be exploring a couple of different um, questions and topics that we think might be interesting to listen to. So anybody that has maybe thought about going to see a counselor or a therapist, but maybe wants to find out a little bit more information or understand exactly what happens at these sessions as well, we're going to be looking into that a little bit more. Um, So I guess to start with, uh, would you like to kind of give us a little bit of an overview just of your journey to becoming a a therapist and a counselor and where you're kind of at at the moment? Definitely. 
Um, so I actually started to really want to become a counselor because I've been a person who was impacted a lot by mental health and I decided to seek therapy myself and really through that process I found it so rewarding um, you know so much empathy through the process that I felt a lot of growth as an individual and you know even going through moments of not knowing what to do after university when you graduate and you accomplish a goal you're just so uncertain about what you want to do and you know being in relationships that could be very devastating as well all these really mixed together creates this a huge mental health, you know, barriers, I guess, moving forward. So really, that was kind of my journey of why I decided to go um, try to extend my dreams in becoming a counselor. I just found that I, if I'm feeling rewarded by a counselor, just by one person and feeling so much growth by that, how many people can I help out there and make a difference in their lives? So you know, I decided to go to a school called City U of Seattle, which is, um, seems like in Seattle, but it's located in Vancouver. So it's a three-year program where we go to school every Saturday. So managing full-time work and a part-time school has been a lot of struggle for me as well. And so I decided, you know what, let's keep going. Let's get it done and hopefully soon enough I'll become that counselor I want to be um, but really yeah in that being said I think counseling for me is just to not only just to go see see somebody for because you have an issue but also to maintain your well-being as well like I sometimes just see a counselor just to keep myself in line to understand where I'm at at that moment understanding you know, how am I doing right now? If, if that's like, you know, and what are my goals right now in terms of my mental health? Because I think that's always changing depending on your age and depending where you are in your life. So, um, and I think every person defines counseling in their own words very differently. So definitely not speaking for everybody. And, you know, as being a student, of course, these information that I have might not necessarily be true for other people as well. So, um, but yeah, that's really where I'm at right now. Cool. I feel like that was such a loaded answer. There's so many things that I want to touch <laughs> on. I For think sure. that, um, I think that it's awesome that you touched on how, you know, it can start when people come out of university, they think what's next or people who maybe don't go to university. Everyone kind of has that pivot point in their life of what am I doing? What should I do in my life? And this pressure that is so overwhelming in our society today. And a lot of people feeling like they're not good enough because they're following a path that isn't typical or maybe so accepted. So I think that's definitely a, a huge point that a lot of people feel kind of mental yeah. strains on. Um, and on that note, like, that's incredible that you're working full time, you're doing your counseling school, and you know, you're, you're really pursuing what you want to do. So I really applaud you for that. And you touched on um, a few terms, and you kind of mentioned what therapy is and how that's different for everybody. Could you maybe talk a little bit about is there different 
types of therapy? Like, I'm not sure. Or is it just kind of what you see on TV, the sitting on a couch in front of someone? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I find that there's a lot of misconception as well, born from these um, movies and shows. And I think that, you know, it's a complete, uh, I guess, common part to have, like when you are seeing these in TVs, people are like, oh my God, you're being a therapist, you're being a counselor. But there are definitely different modalities and different theories within counseling. So, you know, some people do like to focus on cognitive or behavioral approach, which is more about changing your mindset and, you know, changing your belief system um, that's deep inside you versus there's also acceptance commitment therapy where people work with those feelings that they have and, you know, instead of eliminating a depression, they tend to focus on working with that depression and letting it be there and letting it be present. So there's very different approaches to how I think modalities and theories work. And there's a lot more somatic, which is working with your body and how you feel in your body. Um, you know, there's also family systems therapy, like how do you work with families or, you know, also in re relationship counseling, there's multiple approaches as well within there. So there's there's just so many and you know of course it started off from freud who's he's a really big psychologist and that's how it started where he's talking about you know all these unconscious subconscious mindsets um but i think as you, we become older and generations keep going on there's all these new modalities that keep coming up and i think that's something that's going to continue to happen even 10 years from now, there might be new modalities, people that find that work better for different populations, because I find that also a lot of the studies focus a lot more on Caucasian, you know, college, university students. So, of course, this is completely different from an East Asian or South Asian um, or, you know, African-American uh, populations, it's everybody responds differently to these type of modalities. So I think it'll be really interesting to see these, I guess, theories evolve into different ones to, I guess, that would accommodate to the culture of each person. And that way, I think it would strengthen the therapeutic alliance, which is the relationship between the client and the therapist as well. So, um, yeah, so I think it's just countless theories and models that really come up when that when you ask me that question. So, Yeah. Um, I wanted to just go back to something you had mentioned uh, at the start, just when you had said that you had been drawn to this particular field because of your own experience of counseling and therapy and how that had really helped you and you had found a lot of growth in that but I wanted to ask you about the I guess the obstacles for a person to actually make that like make that next commitment and actually book a therapy session and go to a therapist because for a lot of people I think as you had as you had touched on you you kind of maybe see that as more of a, a kind of a last resort you know when things get really bad okay I'm gonna try I'm gonna try therapy and I'll, I'll maybe try that out and see how it works but you had also said that therapy doesn't have to be that it can be something that uh, you go to on a regular basis just to kind of have that sort of self-help check-in with yourself um so what would you, what would someone kind of, why would somebody want or need to go to a therapist and how do you think they could kind of overcome those, those barriers that they place on themselves? 
Definitely, that's a great question. And, and I think every person has a different barrier to getting to where they want to be because, you know, in some ways, I think we, we focus so much on the word normal a lot. And I think yeah. when people find that, okay, I have to go see a counselor, they tend to criticize themselves. And, you know, and I, I think they kind of tell themselves that there's something wrong with them. And by generally speaking, I think that's scary for anybody to see a counselor and open up and have somebody look into their vulnerable space of who they are, because in some ways they are protecting themselves by not opening it up in some way in their mind. And, you know, for me, luckily I've been, I guess I've been in a very good environment of a growth where I have been open with my parents. I have been you know, have been open with my friends, have been open, um, you know, with my current relationship, uh, romantic relationship, where I feel I'm striving to always constantly look at myself and look at my emotional health and understanding where do I stand right now? Am I in a space where I'm feeling really anxious or am I really stressed? And I think for me, in some ways, you know, that's my own therapy is, I think, to just to have a space to be vulnerable and let my really my deep, deep conscious, subconscious thoughts come out. Um, but I can see that for some people, that's really difficult for overcoming those barriers. And I can't speak for anybody, because I think, again, every person is different. But, you know, I think it'll be important to always recognize that therapy isn't just for, or counseling isn't just for people who have issues. I think it's also there to have a space to be able to open up. And I think, again, the movies make that, you know, movies and shows like create this characteristics of people going to Mm -hmm. counseling or therapy is always people who have issues. People, oh, this person has some problems, so they're going to see a therapist. And I think that's also hard being in this generation of being surrounded by so much internet to like so much of those like you know looking at Instagram looking at Facebook all this stuff like we see this therapy client relationship and it creates this I guess stereotype of like what people of why they are and I think that's hard to you know take up but once you kind of make that you know what I'm gonna book it I feel people most of the time when they do go, they find this huge support and huge, um, I guess, relief in some ways because they get to recognize that, you know, I have a, I am okay. Like I'm not, I'm not abnormal. Like I'm okay. This is okay. It's a common, common place to be. And that's totally okay. And especially with everything going on, I guess that connects back to getting out of university or people who who weren't going to university. It could be anything, but you know, there's just so many choices in the world nowadays too, right? So I think yeah. that adds a lot more pressure to people of being like after university, it's like you could be a doctor, you could be a vet, you could be a chef, you could be a all these things. And I think that that creates such a difficult decision for people because there's just so many goals that people can take into their self, um, into any road of where they want to go for life. So But really, I guess, generally speaking, I just wanted to say, like, once you see a therapist, I think, I hope people do see that it is a beneficial um, part of us that we're able to make this, you know, be aware of our feelings and be aware of that. And I hope people can see that and not just make a judgment from TV shows or 
um, movies and kind of conclude that, you know, that's for people who have issues and that's not, yeah. that's totally not it. Yeah. I definitely think that like the view of a therapist and a counselor, I think that's kind of shifting. I hope it is, you know, to kind of remove some of that kind of stigma that's around it but I think some of that is still there so I think that's really helpful what you're saying and that it's actually it's not unhealthy to go to a therapist it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you it's actually a really healthy step that you're taking to look after yourself and to give yourself an outlet for all those thoughts and all those uh, emotions and feelings that that come into your head on a daily basis that maybe you don't have an outlet for um so yeah I think and I, I hope that you know, conversations around therapy will, will kind of help to to shift that mindset a little bit more so that people can just be more open to it, I guess. Yeah, Definitely. I yeah, I think that um, stigmatism and kind of taboo around mental health and seeing mm-hmm. mental health as a weakness still exists. Definitely when we look at, you know, we're all, you know, identify as women and, you know, within our kind of world and population right now I think that we are making shifts towards being more comfortable discussing our mental health but then you know even with men and in other cultures as well you know living here in BC it is still a bit of a taboo topic and does seem you know like something people can't reach to or to acknowledge that they they have um, something that they need to kind of talk through I think um so I think we're making steps in the right direction but those um misconceptions I think definitely exist in people's head of what therapy or counseling really is when you know media movies tv shows definitely always depict an extreme um so sorry go ahead Oh, I said yes, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a weak yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> and so that brings me to my next question. So we keep interchangeably using the word counselor and therapist. Could you give us a bit of clarity on words that, again, in media are typically thrown around interchangeably? So, counselor, therapist, psychologist, and psychiatrist. So. Actually, the therapist and counselor. So depending also where you live as well, like people define them very differently. I find that, you know, even in Vancouver, Canada, some people call themselves a counselor in some way, even without a master's degree. So it's kind of interesting. Um, And even therapists as well, right? But there's a difference definitely in psychologists and psychiatrists psychiatrist I believe psychiatrists can prescribe medication to clients and can diagnose but again this part I'm a little bit I always get wonky about that and I'm not too sure but I understand that you have to go into medicine is my understanding and psychologist uh, you would have to have a I believe you have to have your PhD um, so you're a doctor as well and you can diagnose but I don't think you can prescribe medication so again I'm a student so I'm going to use that as a reason for not going <laughs> through like very, very surely. But um, also I want to be like people to be aware that um, in at least in BC, you you need to be a registered body, uh, you know, and stop to work at some counseling offices. So that's called the registered clinical counselor. Um, so Ted, 
most of the time, registered clinical counselor does have to have a master's degree or level of master's of level of counseling uh, psychology for their degree. And they would have to have certain supervision hours, certain clinical hours in order to register for that body. So if you see people, um, you know, a, I guess a therapist or counselor that you would tend to see in their email or at their on their website to say RCC and there's other registration as well. Um, where some people like in the States, you could, what I have heard that you can call yourself a counselor or therapist without those designate like destinations. So it's kind of interesting that to see these differences depending on the country you live in. And I'm from Japan myself, but I find even Japan, some people call themselves a counselor without some certifications as well. So it's kind of confusing. Um, and I know that 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 has been a topic that's been brought up within our class because it's like, okay, when people want to go see a counselor, are they actually seeing a counselor that who has gone through this education or are they just going to see a counselor who has a bachelor's degree? So, and also that comes down to your benefits as well. Like, you know, registered clinical counselors are, uh, I believe some of them benefits can cover, but just a counselor necessary won't. So people just have to be mindful of that, I believe, when are when you are deciding to go see a counselor for that. Okay. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's good to kind of get a bit of a distinction uh, between all the different terms. Um, one of the things I wanted to kind of ask you about was for people who are considering uh, counseling or therapy for the first time. I would imagine that selecting a therapist is kind of a unique process and that I would expect that you would need to have that kind of a that connection with your therapist or you need to get on with them really well um, to be able to kind of open up and, and to be vulnerable with them. For anybody who's kind of looking into therapy and doing the research what are the things that they should look for or any kind of things to watch out for in a first session uh, to make them kind of feel more comfortable? Yeah, definitely. That's a great question. I totally agree with you that, you know, it's important to have a great, you know, connection with your therapist and the client because you're right like without that trust and security within that therapy room, it's very hard for people to stay vulnerable or be open or, you know, to even tell them about their childhood trauma or yeah. anything because that's such a huge process, you know, and to let that out, it means so much for those individuals. So, and I think also that's a thing too, and that's okay if you don't connect with a therapist. I think that's, that's important to keep in mind because I find that not everybody's going to be somebody that you're going to connect with. It doesn't mean that all therapists would be easily connected with clients. I don't think so. There's some people, there's some, you know, I guess clients and some patients uh, where I find that they're not, they might like very direct counselors versus the, some people might like more indirect. And I find myself, I'm a very, a therapist that who's very indirect, a student therapist. Um, I don't like to, you know, confront too much for the clients, but some people do like that. Some people do like that they have decisions made and some people want a direction versus where people, some people want to take it slow. So I think it's understanding 
not giving it up. And even if you didn't necessarily connect, you could even give it a second try to see. And even if it didn't work out, not to just say, okay, therapy didn't work for me, but to mm-hmm. say like, look, it's okay. It just didn't work out with this therapist, but I'm going to try a different type of therapist. And kind of, you know, you sometimes kind of get a sense of what type of therapist they are when they do do an initial call of a consultation. They might be able to you know, sense, okay, this is a type of person or personality, you know, and understanding also your own, I guess, triggers, because some people might go through, uh, might have a hard time connecting with a male therapist, or some people might have a hard time connecting with a female therapist. So understanding what is your, what is that uncomfortableness for you? And is that something that you can work with and understanding and exploring those you know, options. But I think ultimately is to understand that that's okay to not connect with your therapist sometimes, because it might just mean that that therapist might not work for you. But there are definitely other therapists that is going to connect with you in some way. So to just continue to explore and continue to approach Mm -hmm. that. And I think that will be an important key factor. Yeah, I think that connection between seems so important, especially as Ivana said, you know, you're going to be making yourself vulnerable. But I do think that that relationship is a two-way straight. Have you noticed, I know you're doing a practicum yourself. Is there any parts of therapy or mental health that you feel more drawn towards or you're already like, okay, like post-grad, I can't wait to dive deeper into this area or learn more. Um, Yeah, I know, I don't know if you can call it specializing in your field, but um, you know, is there any yeah avenue that you're excited to to work with in the future it's yeah it's so hard to decide and again I guess that comes down to the so many choices of having so many different areas um but definitely I would love to look into somatic therapy a lot more because that has to do with our bodies and you know understanding how the brain is so connected with the body instead of just thinking the brain it's on its own um and that being said I also love relationship counseling I think that is something that I always loved and I always love to see two people connect together and being able to help them and also understanding that sometimes relationship doesn't work and to you to help those people go through a divorce to help them go through a separation because I think we're so focused on trying to fix something that might not necessarily work. Um, But really those are approaches that really interest me a lot. I know you do need a lot uh, extra studies after you graduate with somatic therapy. So that's something I would definitely still love to go into. And, um, you know, other things were uh, art therapy. I love painting. So that's been some type of, you know, always been a part of my mind that I would love to, explore again and go into further as well Um, but I guess like when I graduate I'll get to experience more career choices and definitely look to see what really works for me as well like okay like I really like working with these type of clients or I really like working in this field so I feel it's hard to decide on right Mm -hmm. now as well because I I'm still doing my full-time work and I feel my brain's always scattered thinking, what do I want to do? Which field? Um, so I'm really hoping after I, you know, finish my school that I'll be able to have a bigger sense of picture of what I would like to focus on um, and where will I like to go? So. 
Yeah. I mean, there's, it's, it's pretty exciting that there's so many different avenues and different routes that you can go down as well. Um, and I wonder if, uh, just because we're in that generation where we're, we're kind of overwhelmed by choice and social media and everything like that, do you think there has been or there will be sort of a rise in people who are seeking therapy or extra guidance from counselors just simply due to the fact that um, a lot of young people, I guess, just uh, have so much of that kind of comparison and um, that judgment even from their friends or from social media. Do you think that that's something that will have a big impact on on people seeking therapy? Definitely. I would 100% think so. Social media has been a huge part of our lives for, you know, at least also for myself. I think it started Facebook started when I was in high school. And I think generally speaking, all those apps on there saying like, you will be most likely to and seeing what you're being <laughs> yeah. most likely to be chosen for was such a anxious moment or like, you know, 60% of the people think you're dateable. Okay, like 40% of people <laughs> don't. Um, so it's quite interesting because I also been affected by, you know, social media. And I think it's completely normal to compare yourself or base your status on the fact of how many number of friends you have online or, they, you know, base it on the number of likes that you get. And really, I don't want to think like that. But I think natural part of is that there are some parts that deep down inside of me that still looks at it and I think you know in some ways that's um it is so damaging to ourselves and so damaging to the people around us because we just instead of feeling sometimes happy for other people's success we tend to our initial reaction is to compare ourselves um and it's so it's so difficult to get yourself out of it sometimes. And I think I always try to be mindful of that. You know, if really social media wasn't existing in this way, like how would I act differently? And so I know I would be very different because I think it's not something that I have a, vis a visual spot to compare myself with. So I think in some ways it becomes easier without that part of where I'm comparing. But Again, we can't take back time. Time is just going moving forward with technology keeps increasing exponential exponential growth. So I'm assuming more platforms, more things are going to come out where potentially damaging to our mental health in some ways. Um, but I think that being said, like younger people and they're in an area where mental health be, has been more aware for everybody, right? Just kind of yeah. letting us know that that's okay. Like seeking therapies that's totally okay I think uh, mm -hmm. the stigma has decreased in some ways compared to you know our previous generations um, and I'm from I think it's a lot more harder in East Asian countries because I am from Japan so definitely I didn't grow up with a lot of uh, mental health like workshops all this stuff but as soon as I came to North America I found that there was a lot more opportunities for workshops and people who can you know just easily go to a group therapy or there's a lot of these options available and um, you know support groups like if and yeah. they're all free and community-based and I find that that's so helpful and supportive and I think we I've been fortunate to live in Canada where mental health been has been such a 
open communication spot for people to to talk about openly and I think I'm really grateful for that but for that reason I find that you know a lot more people feel less like I guess less scared to come to therapy because they know that that's a common part for people to go seek for and I think there are more and more people um, who are seeking therapy and and for that reason I think there's a lot more therapists wanting to become uh, you know a counselor a a therapist to help these individuals so yeah I guess that and that makes me really happy so I'm glad to hear that yeah and that kind of circles back to what we were kind of talking about before how you know therapy isn't as accessible for a lot of people as we might be led to think it's becoming um especially with certain cultures certain demographics and financially too and you don't have to give exact examples right now but I'm wondering if there's kind of resources with NBC for people who you know we mentioned that people are con- like conscious whether it's within their benefits to go to counseling and for some people they just really need that help and there's a financial barrier there too is there any system in place within BC or some a resource to reach out to that um, people can go to and I want to add another question on as well. So before we started doing this recording, we were kind of talking um, about counseling and you brought it up again, how, you know, coming from East Asia, coming from Japan, there is a, a kind of a shift in what you're saying, the accessibility or um, the feel that you can go to a counselor or therapist. And you were looking forward to becoming a counselor here in Canada and working with that East Asian population. Can you talk a little bit more about that too? Sorry, two questions. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, in terms of resources, I find that a lot of government-funded, uh, you know, programs uh, tend to be available. I'm not too sure in terms of, you know, if there is pricing added to that, but I know that some are completely free, and there's a lot of 24-hour suicidal um, or suicide, sorry, call centers where people just can call in, um, you know, some part of me was wanting to do that actually as a volunteer experience. Unfortunately, with a 24-hour shift, it makes it a little bit tough for me to be able to attend to those just because I work and go to school. Um, but those are available. I, I know a couple of them that's 24 hours. Um, and also there is, I I know that I volunteered for Looking Glass Foundation, Looking Glass, Looking Glass Store Foundation, I believe. And it's an eating mm-hmm. disorder uh, nonprofit organization where you know eating people individuals who have eating disorder uh, seek help for that so that does exist as well and that's a nonprofit um, and there's programs that are available as well in a lot of community uh, resources there's a lot of uh, I also volunteered at Vancouver Cosa Health helping immigrated mothers so mm-hmm. you know just active listening to them it's very difficult for them because they are moving here where English isn't their first language as well yeah. so using a lot of hand gestures and making sure that they understand what I mean um, you know those existed as well um, that being said I think there's a lot of you know opportunities as well for people to just join in these group therapy as well and I'm assuming that some of them are free and some of them do have a cost to it um so it's hard to say and I totally see that you know 
I think some parts that are difficult is that these tend to be within cities as well, like where it's a little bit more populated. So I tend to find that where there are, you know, a population that's more vulnerable to, I guess, a lot of oppression and, you know, systematic, systematic racism that I find they might not necessarily be available. So I hope that, you know, Vancouver or BC at least continues to look at these populations. And I hope that that growth will help create more opportunities and programs for these individuals as well. So, um, but really, yeah, like even looking that up, there's a huge difference because some people don't even have a laptop or a phone and I can just go on Google and just say, look up resources for major depressive disorder free BC and I can just find it. But again, this system is working in a way for people who are in middle income or, you know, definitely for people who have lower income. Like how do we even find out about these sources? So Mm -hmm. it's really tough sometimes to see that, okay, like how can we extend these, I guess, like information to these people and to have them understand that they are available out there. So, um, but yeah, in terms of that, in terms of that, I know that there are sort resources available, and I hope that people can, um, you know, find ways to reach out to those uh, organizations as well, and um, those or those organizations can find these individuals in some ways and support them. Um, but I hope that I can be that part of that community as well and continue to volunteer in areas where I find a strength. So obviously, when I graduate, I do really want to volunteer at the suicide suicide um, line to be able to help people who are suffering through um, you know those moments and hard times Um, so I know the second question is we're working with East Asian clients I know uh, you know growing up in Japan I find that it's so hard to I guess get for me at least I grew up with a mom who is uh, westernized she is she was born and raised in Canada she went to Japan and met my dad who's Japanese so uh, you know I grew up in an environment where I was very expressive I had the opportunity for my mom not to you know be be shamed about feeling sad being shamed for feeling upset you know but definitely versus my dad who grew up in a culture who seems to you know please everybody around them, the community, and want to be, I guess, similar to everybody in some ways. So that's why I struggled a lot when I came to Canada, because I was trying to fit into everybody and everybody's liking, where I felt a North American culture was being unique, being different. And that's a very individualistic culture. So I find that, you know, it was very hard. And even doing my studies, I think I always tried to think back at to my culture and when I'm writing my papers, I'm thinking, does this actually work with the East Asian population culture? Because I don't know if telling them, uh, you know, be, have a high self-esteem. I don't think that necessarily works because we, we aren't a country that looks at, look at how self, look at me, like, look how good I am. Right. And uh, I think it works for some some people and I think that I'm not again I don't like to generally say for everybody but you know for myself growing up in East Asian cultures we tend to focus on being humble and we tend to focus on not to show ourselves as like look I'm self-confident so it's so hard to say like you know how about studies show that self-confidence really helps you in a lot of cases and I totally agree that does but it's really important to look at 
each individual's culture because I think that culture has a huge part of your identity and who you are. So I think, yeah, yeah that being said, that's kind of how I would probably work with those culture and different people. Yeah, I, I think that's really important to kind of remember that uh, different cultures do approach mental health and even things like self-esteem and confidence so differently and just because maybe you or I kind of see these things as being really important or we feel that we can talk about them not everybody has grown up in a household where they can express themselves or where they have felt safe and supported um and even just like I guess a generational thing as well you know I know kind of like you know older generations even like from you know in Ireland where we're from you know mental health and that whole conversation probably has only really been something that has been talked about more openly in the last 10 years or so and before then like it was very much kind of like a closed conversation and nobody was uh very confident in kind of opening up about those things or you know struggles like that so I think it's super important to remember that you know it isn't the same for everybody and I guess you do have to to be extra kind of mindful of that and and make sure that you are having that in mind for your own studies as well um one of the things I wanted to ask as well for anybody who is considering going to see a counselor or taking that um first step is counseling or therapy something that you need to kind of commit to long term? So if you start going to see a therapist, how long, like, do you think, you know, that's something that's going to be part of your life for ever or for a few months? Is there kind of a set commitment required? I, again, I think that depends on each person. Sometimes you could see a counselor for one session and really get something out of it because, Again, I think counseling is a space where you can freely explore your vulnerabilities, your feelings. And, you know, to I find that even for myself to explore these feelings in a one place where I just don't need to worry about anything and just let myself out um, is a great space, a beautiful space where I can just not to have to care and worry. Because when I'm talking to my partner, I, I, you know, truly care and love him. But at the same time, I think it's unfair to lash out these heavy feelings that I do have in my daily basis, where it's a deep, deep part of me. And I do open up time to time. But I also find that that is pretty exhausting for the other person who's, you know, working full time as well. So I find that, you know, and again, there's a part of me that's like, oh my God, I worry that he's going to be like this. Whereas if I go into a counseling room, I don't have that. I'm just lifting yeah. all of that out and just exploring. And even for one session, I feel great and feel, you know, amazing afterwards. And I think that there are some times where people do take sometimes two years, sometimes five years. And I think that's also the person's personal choice, but I do tend to find that when there is a lot more um, heavier and deeper, uh, I guess, mental mental strains that are kind of going through that person, there is there is a lot more benefits to seeing a therapy for a therapist for longer terms of times. Um, but you know, for me, I find that even with one single session, there's a huge difference. And sometimes I just go see one session, two sessions, and I kind of give myself a time and 
explore myself and then I go back again a year later just to keep myself aligned and see where I'm at um but I think again that's some people tend to not want to commit um and some people like to commit longer it all depends on each person and all depends on how ready and available those people are as well and again with COVID it's great because people can just do it online but also at the same time you know I think it's also hard for not having that human contact um but in and I think that's why online makes it a lot more easier to have people meet online because there's no like, oh, I can't make it anymore. Whereas like they're at their home. And I think you can feel a lot more comfortable because you're in a space of your own home versus I think therapy is like you're in this different space. So um, I think there's also these different platforms that make the counseling very unique and different as well. But, um, but yeah, generally speaking, I think again, it's uh it's the personal choice of the each individual, but I find that long-term uh, therapy does have a huge effect and huge benefits to people who do see them long-term. Yeah, I love how you touched on how, you know, as strong as your relationship might be with someone and how open you can feel like you can be with them um, about anything that's on your mind. It It does loom on you that, once I share this with that person, this is now going to become part of our relationship. And I might be unloading on someone who isn't ready for that or has not like taken on my kind of not baggage, but you know, my kind of thoughts, maybe they take it on in themselves. And, you know, people can fear that that will have an effect on the relationship and sometimes it does yeah. so I think that is a really nice way to put it where you know therapy is somewhere where you can unload and not feel any sense of like guilt or remorse afterwards of oh no what have I just like put on this person mm-hmm. that I care for and how is that going to affect our relationship or what if our relationship changes in the future like will they kind of do I lose that trust that we had um, so it's definitely, yeah, like a safe space to kind yeah. of speak and be vulnerable. So I thought that was really good. And we are conscious of your time. So we will ask our last question, which we're trying to ask everyone who comes on to chat with us here. So what would your three top kind of health habits be? So it can be health in any sense of the word but three things that you might do daily weekly monthly that just make you feel really good and give you a sense of health very good question I feel like I have so many um but I do love cats so I (laughs) actually volunteer at a cat shelter um as well because I find you know helping vulnerable species is such a big part of me so I foster cats and I have my own oh. cat as well. Yeah, so I love cats. I um, I know I sound very intense with this, but um, <laughs> uh, but I find that, yeah, I think in, for so just overall picture, like having like a, I guess, animal companion is such a big part of my life that I always had. Um, but yeah. being able to just touch something physically, like with a fur and living object, just seems to calm me down a lot. <laughs> so that, you know, and uh, so those like really pet therapy of having, you know, even before exams, touching this cat just calm you down. And uh, also like looking at a foster who's like semi-feral and looking them grow into a domesticated cat 
gives me such a accomplishment because yeah. you know now they're going to a new home i cry every time when i foster Aww. because yeah it's saying goodbye to i feel like my adopted child that is now yeah, my so hard to say goodbye yeah it's always so hard I always cry my boyfriend's like oh are you gonna cry I'm like I am gonna cry <laughs> so, I can't uh, deny it yeah. are you not going to cry yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so it's that but I find it so rewarding and I love that so definitely find that's a huge part of my you know keeping me my mental health keep going and healthy and um also I love painting as well like I find painting is so just so relaxing so calming looking at you know photos and finishing it like how it looks um but you know not because I do it for a hobby I'm not caring about what people think of it I'm just like whatever if it looks like a animal that's cool like I love it and if it doesn't look like an animal who cares even (laughs) though it didn't to look like an animal so I think again that takes out the pressure of having that as a hobby um just not having to you know freely let explore it you know express myself um and again like yeah I think other things are really maintaining uh healthy relationships with you know my partner my friends and everybody around me and being able to be myself and connect with others um and I'm a very active person so I do love doing sports with my friends and uh my partner my family seems to be very not good at sports so I don't really (laughs) ask them um but yeah being able to do a lot of activities together going outdoor hiking canoeing all this stuff like um but yeah I think it's so hard to decide on three top things but I think those are the things that really come up to my mind um but I could go on forever too yeah it's it, a hard so. question it is hard uh, yeah that was the hardest but question. I love those yeah <laughs> and what's really weird we haven't asked many people that question but you're the second person to mention petting cats so oh goodness, that's yeah. amazing so you yeah. might be on to something here yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds very popular. Yeah, uh, I think I don't blame people because I think cats just give a special energy out to people. They're just this special creature. Oh, and they're so cute. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. That was yeah. such a great chat. I feel like the time went so fast and I could probably ask you a ton more questions, but I think we're going to have to leave it at that. But thank you so much for for your time tonight. It was, it was a great conversation. Yeah. And I think you're onto an amazing path in the future and best of luck with the rest of your studies. Sounds like you're going to do amazing. And I'm so excited to kind of see where you progress from here. Definitely. And thank you so much both. I had, those are great questions and I love being a part of it. And hopefully next time when I come on, I'll be, a be able to call myself an actual therapist as well. Cause yeah, i therapist. So yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much again, Sae, for coming on to What the Zen and sharing all of your knowledge with us. We wish you the best of luck with the rest of your education you don't have long to go before graduating so we really look forward to seeing where you go in the future and having you back on the show as well to maybe delve deeper into some other mental health topics um such a wealth of information kind of what did you find most interesting about or what did you learn um yeah I thought you know it really came across how 
passionate she was about this which I loved I love speaking to people who are really passionate about what they do and um have so much experience and, and knowledge to share I guess like one of the things I thought was um was a really valid and a great point for her to mention was the um idea that therapy and counseling isn't it's sometimes something that you can do on a regular basis as a kind of a mental health check-in with yourself um or a way to kind of use that as an outlet for all your thoughts and your feelings and anything that you're going through as well because I think that a lot of us are still you know and society is still in that mindset where therapy is kind of seen like such a big deal and maybe like oh like you must you know be in a really bad place if you're going to therapy or things must be not going so well for you or maybe that's like seen as a last resort for some people but I think and I hope that the conversation helps people see that that doesn't have to be the case it can be preventative and it can't it shouldn't be maybe just something that you view as loads of things have happened so I'm gonna have to do this to kind of fix things and I think that she really did get that across uh in our conversation um which I thought was really good and I think it's healthy to kind of have that that open conversation about mental health and have a more um I guess like a more progressive approach to it so what did you find interesting about our chat? <laughs> I definitely agree that, yeah, she definitely shone a light that, you know, reaching out for help for mental health doesn't have to be when, like you said, at your rock bottom, at a place where you feel that there's nowhere to go and nowhere to turn. Um, maybe at that point, yeah, you might have left it too long. Um, but to maybe use it as a tool to help you even when you're feeling your best how can I maintain this how can I you know use it as a um, a maintenance or a preventative like you said measure to kind of work things out before you get to that that space or that place where you feel like there is no way out and another point that she mentioned that I thought was really good was kind of about the accessibility of um, help for mental health you know yes like we live in Vancouver and like Ivana said you know it it feels like we live in a very progressive world and population right now but there are a lot of people and cultures out there where there are still roadblocks to getting help for mental health and that might be financial or feeling like doing that proves that you're weak for whatever reason within your culture um and also I loved her point on how geographically as well you know Canada is so vast and you know living up north um you know that help isn't accessible when we talked about some of the non-for-profits and the free resources that are out there they are so heavily based within the cities obviously there's a higher population there but you know people up north in those isolated areas you know there isn't a lot of healthcare in general getting up there never mind mental health um help so I think that's something that's really important and that you know people are working on in the future as well yeah I think so like obviously one of the big topics uh that we've touched on before in this podcast is about how health obviously should be accessible for everybody but it's it's a work in progress and certain certain um, services maybe aren't so accessible for some people so we're going to just pop a few of those resources that say I mentioned um, in our show notes for anybody that needs uh, to use them and we'll put in some 
uh, free resources as well for any of our listeners in the UK and Ireland as well. So please do check out the the description in the podcast for for more information on those. Yeah, and I feel like that wraps things up for today. We're really excited for having uh, more he- mental health workers come on to the show and chat about um, topics kind of in depth. But we thought that was a really nice introduction to health that's out there and really debunk some of the terminology used and um, some of the misconceptions that are out there as well. Yeah, for sure. And if you're still listening, thank you for listening. Um Thanks for listening and if you want to find out more about the show you can check out our Instagram at what.thezen. We'll also be posting the mental health and the counselling resources up there too. And yeah, keep your eyes and your ears peeled. We've got more episodes coming up every Thursday. But for now we're going to leave it at that. Thank you so much. And again, if you or you know someone who would like to come on to the show and chat, please reach out to us. We would love to have you on. See you next week. Bye.